I don't think empathy is something that can be taught in the sense of like open up your notebook and turn to page four. Like, I think it's something that is taught through the environment that you're in, through your experiences and how you relate to them, how you relate to yourself. Welcome to the Future Podcast. I'm your producer, Greg Gunn, recording this intro from beneath a blanket in my home studio. I'm not doing that because I'm cold. Uh, it just makes my voice sound better. There's a work from home pro tip for you. Here's another one. Wash your hands. Today's guest is the founder of design agency Monograph & Co. She and Chris go deep into the role that empathy plays in business. And spoiler alert, it's an important one. They talk about how losing someone can trigger a perspective shift and subsequently how you can use your own life experiences to build greater empathy with your clients. A lot of us get caught up thinking about ourselves and that makes it difficult to look at the world through another person's lens. And in strange times like these, we can all use a bit more empathy. Please enjoy our vulnerable and very inspiring conversation with Sophia Ahmed. I think for me, um, my journey through kind of getting a deeper understanding of empathy and, you know, my role, um, not just in terms of a career, but in how I like to help others kind of, you know, with their business and their growth, um, developing more empathy as well, uh, came from, you know, directly from my experience of losing my parents. Um, so it's been about two, two and a half years now, I think. Um, but you know, my mother almost, almost lost her life, you know, and I, I think at that time I was working, I was in my late twenties at that time and, um, life was just, you know, just became very, very difficult. I think that when you are in a situation where you're about to lose, I think a very important person in your life, um, and you're not too sure where that pendulum is going to swing, um, it's almost like life kind of speeds up and you just become very aware. You just have this very heightened awareness of you yourself, um, you know, your own interactions with the world, the people around you. Um, and, you know, you start to kind of see it, it, it's, it, it's not such a life, you know, it's not a near life um, experience for me personally, but it was more like um, you just start to become very hyper aware. And um, I think during that time, I experienced a lot of other people um, suffering through illness. You know, my mother, they put her in a hospice for a while because she just wasn't getting any better at that time. And so I'd go to work 6 a.m. in the morning, and then I'd get, get out of work around 6 p.m. I'd go to the hospital and stay with my mother until 10 p.m. until they kicked me out, you know. Um, and, you know, you'd see people just waiting to die. People who just need help, but you can't help them. And it's a very helpless feeling. And I think that at that time, you know, I was working a job that just wasn't fulfilling me in any way, shape or form. And you just become hyper aware of the fact that, you know, I don't have forever. I was in my late twenties. How long do I have left to 
to do what all the things that I want to do. Another 10 years, maybe another 20, 30. That doesn't seem like a very big number. No. So it was definitely put me in a state of awareness. Um, Did she have a terminal illness? No, my mother, um, luckily, she, she did recover to the point where she didn't need to be in the hospital anymore. She's, she has um, heart failure. So uh, it, it was very touch and go. And that's something that will last with her for the rest of her life. And that needs to be monitored for the rest of her life. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much just a bit. She's still alive today? Yes. Okay, yes. Wow, well, thankfully. Yes, yes. Very, very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's not going to be able to be mom like she was um, before, but I'm grateful to have, again, you know, hyper-awareness, right? You just, I'm grateful that my mother's alive. And that's very, very important to me. Um, and you just become grateful for the things that you have. Yeah, the way that you set that up, I was like, oh my gosh, what, what is going on? And I'm trying to sort it out in my head. I thought, because you said I had to deal with losing my parents. I was like, you lost both your parents at the same time in two years? Oh my gosh. So did you lose your dad or? I did. You did? Yeah. So okay. um, just around the time that we got mom back yeah. to a, a stable position to be at home, we had to rearrange. I think, we, I think me and my sisters had to rearrange our lives. Like my mom can't be on her own. Um. It's not, that's just not going to happen. Okay. Um, but that's fine. Like I said, I'd rather have my mother alive and, sp and, and be with her and, and spend time with her than, than want to have anything else. Um, but a year from that, my dad died. Um, again, very suddenly. Uh, no one really expected this. And so I, in a way, you know, I kind of I lost them both in, in, in one way or another. Right, I see. You lost the mom that you knew and that now she, you kind of have to help her and take care of her and she's no longer going to be the caretaker of you, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, even though I think that, you know, obviously we're all adults and we don't need our parents to take care of us in, in that kind of way, you, you, you tend to miss going home to your parents. Yeah. You tend to miss holidays when people are like, oh, you know, I'm going to go see dad, I'm going to go see mom, and like, or me and my mom went for a walk. Like you miss... The little things and I think that's again another sense of hyper awareness but also fuel for the work because you, you you get into this mode where it feels very singular you know you don't have that person to call up on the phone like hey mom I need advice or hey dad you know whatever all of a sudden that's just kind of gone so I think you know and again this is it's a bit hard to articulate because I think I'm still very much in that process of understanding my own kind of needs and wants and how to fulfill them. But luckily I think I found a career path that is very fulfilling to me, you know, being able to dive into my work and have a greater sense of empathy for the clients that I work with, um, a greater understanding to the needs and wants. And also I think, I think at the same time it, it gives me that sense of fulfillment and joy that, you know, perhaps I am in a way, lacking at times because I'm still trying to navigate through this process as well. Mm -hmm. So take me to this part where you start to become hyper aware of what's going on and maybe starting to recognize how precious life is and your your mom getting sick. It seems like it sent you down a path of like just becoming very present to the moment and starting to reevaluate your life. You mentioned a little bit about the job that you had at that time. It was very unfulfilling. 
and trying to find these moments to steal back from your mom because you, you didn't know because you said it was touch and go. Let's stay in that moment before we get into like how you apply it to work life and mm-hmm. your, your clients. I want to fully understand that because I, I feel like I can sense the anxiety, the feelings that you've had, but I still have both my parents. Mm-hmm. So I want to understand like what's going on in your mind to see if I can map something else that I've gone through to kind of try to relate a little bit more to what you're going through or have gone through. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think at that time, again, I was in my late 20s. Um, you know, I think I was coasting. I, I was I was kind of in a job where, you know, I was kind of in many situations, I think, at that time. I think they just weren't very fulfilling or they just weren't something that... Um, was for my, you know, my best interest. Um, but I was just kind of coasting because you get into a routine where it's like, you know, you got to go to work, you get a paycheck, whatever, and you keep going, and you keep going. And when my mom got very ill, it was very sudden. Like, all of a sudden, you're just living your life, and all of a sudden, the phone rings and says, hey, guess what? This is what ha- This is what's happening. And I think that really changes your trajectory. And for me, when I go see my mother after a very long, grueling day at work, you know, um, you'd go there and, you know, this was a bit of a hospice in a way. A lot of elderly people who are, you know, there for life till their clock runs out. And, you know, you walk down the halls and you hear people screaming in pain. You know, we're not talking about rooms of like separate rooms. We're talking about like open rooms. You go in to like six people in a room you know, um, sharing that space and you know, a little thin veil of a curtain would separate them. And you'd see people sitting in their own feces for hours just waiting for someone to come help them because they can't do it on their own. You know, and their sense of self-worth, their sense of self-dignity is just gone. You know, they can't they can't do anything. And you see your mother and your, your parent there as struggling, not, not in the same way, but struggling in a similar way. And you want to help but you can't help because you don't have the resources. And a lot of those resources at that time was financial. You know, I think that, you know, um, it was like, we can help up to here. And if you want more help, you got a couple of thousand dollars. You got, you know, I got a couple hundred dollars. And no, I don't, you know, at that time. Again, I didn't work a job where I got a, a tremendous amount of pay. I got enough pay to pay my bills. Right. You know, so you just sit there and you go, okay, this is, you know, this is not a position that I want to be in physically, obviously, but I don't want to see the people I love and care about in a place where I can't help them, you know, um, and you feel powerless. And I think in that sense of powerlessness, you gain, I gain so much more, much more momentum um, and so much more power that says, you know what, I know stuff. I have certain abilities. Um, I can do things. I don't need to stay in one spot waiting for someone to say, okay, move, you know, now's the time. And if it doesn't work out, I don't care. You know, I I think, I think all those fears that usually, you know, that usually come with starting your own business or going away or quitting a job was just out the window because what I was looking at every single day was worse. So it sounds to me like that phone call that you got letting your, you know, that your mom was really sick was a wake-up call. I mean, there was this information that you got in terms of like, hey, mom, is not what we think. She's really sick. 
and then this wake-up call to see her in a place and feeling helpless that you as a child could not do anything more to help your mom because of the financial circumstances and situation that you're in. Now, we always hear about other countries' healthcare system is much better than America's, and I, I don't doubt that at all. But even mm-hmm. in Canada, where you, where you have, I think, good healthcare system, there's still this gap between, yeah, you're getting by here, but this is not how we want to live, right? Mm-hmm. And then, Absolutely. And then this gave you, I think, this helplessness turned into something else. It turned into courage, and you're able to then just that switch in your brain, like, what, what else am I living for if I can't take care of my parents? And also, I don't want to be in a situation like that myself, living, not hand to mouth, but not having much of a cushion in case circumstances change in your life. So this was your wake-up call to start your own business and do that thing that you wanted to do. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay, this is, uh, this is very inspiring. Okay, so a lot of people would buckle and fold. What, what makes you so different that you don't just collapse in, in I don't know how to describe this, but in, in feeling defeated and feeling like life is unfair and why was this thrusted upon you at this moment in time? What is it about you, your upbringing, your personality? What else was it that allowed you to say, you know what, instead of going down that dark path, I'm going to go down this other way? That's a very interesting question, and I think that's something I I kind of ask myself every now and then again. I don't know if it's an upbringing as much as it's just something internal. Um, you know, gosh, it's, it's it's hard to say. I feel like, you know, I was kind of in this path where it's like I could swing either way, you know? I could go either way, but it was just like something internal that just kind of snaps and goes, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it. What was the internal dialogue for you at that point? I think that for me, and whether this was a self-protection thing or something against something else, it was just for me versus like I just refused to throw in the towel. And I think it's because when you're faced with someone that you love and someone says, well, this person can die or they can live. Like, how do you feel? Usually, I think a lot of people would be like, well, I want that person to live. I don't want them to go. And for me, I couldn't control, obviously I can't control my mother's health. I can't control the healthcare system, but I could control my own actions and my own emotions and I had control over that. So I wanted to take control as much as I could. And that was the way I could take control. That was the way I could be helpful. That was the way I could change the circumstance. And I think that was what drove me to go forward. Mm. You describe it as control. I think other people would sit there and say, I think Sophia's taking accountability. Like you're saying, there's things that I cannot control and there's things that I can and the things that I can control, I'm going to be accountable this day forward. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great way to put it. I mean, you're right. I think I think for me, I always talk about, you know, being in that sense of control. I think for me, that, that feels like, you know, like again, like I'm in the driver's seat. I'm taking accountability. I'm staring this whether I steer it in a bad way or, or a great way, it's, it's up to me. And I take full responsibility of the best, better things or the, the worst things. That's just how I kind of went about it. Mm. So what happens next when you decide, you know, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to go do this other thing. How long did it take you to leave your job and to start your own business? Nine months. It took nine months. Um, I decided very early on, but, you know, um, I couldn't just... As you can see the circumstance, I can just be like, hey, I quit. I was using some of that money to help my mother. I had to take care of myself. Um, 
you know, I had a job still that had responsibilities, you know. Um, and so it took me nine months to plan out what things were going to look like. I mean, you know, obviously starting a new business, there's all these things to go forward with. And so it took a very long time to get to a financial position where I could leave and at least have a little bit of something to take care of myself while still dealing with all these all these other events that were unfolding. So when it came time to leave, how did you know it was the right time? Did you need to have certain clients or saved up enough money? Or what were you waiting for? What did those nine months prepare you for? So it prepared me for, I think, getting a lot of focus, getting a lot of clarity. I think that, you know, uh, when you're in a situation like this, it's not just like extreme, like it's not to the point where you're like, you have no emotions and you're just focused. You're feeling so many things, anger, sadness, despair, all these things. And so um, the nine months helped me put into practice of one, you know, are you really doing this for the right reasons? Or are you just in the moment? Um, two, I, you know, I got, a, I got a small business loan, um, which was very lovely. Um, but in order to get that, I had to get certain things in place. You know, I had to get certain things to check out. Um, and yeah, so those are the things I was doing. It was, you know, I had a, I was lucky enough, actually, it was one of those odd things where it's like, I'm not looking for clients and they just find me. Something that's never, ever happened after that. <laughs> but it happened during this time, which was so great. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. So really um, cool. it was really cool. Um, just, I think maybe the universe was just throwing me a bone a little bit. Um, so I had two people, two, two projects waiting in the wings. Um, but you know what? I was just in a position where it's like, I can't do more than what I was doing. Going to work and seeing my mother at the hospital till like 10 p.m. every single day was the best I could do. Um, so at those, I think this moment came where it's just like, okay, you got the loan, you've done all you can, you got to jump. And I jumped. How much was the loan for? It was just about 15K. 15K. And yeah. is this a loan that's available to anybody that applies for it? Or were you a special circumstance? I and mean, I don't know how Canada works in, in getting a small business loan like this. Um, so we're, we're lucky. We have a, a wonderful program here um, that kind of gives new starting businesses uh, a chance um, and, and it give you a little bit of a business sort of light up um, as well. So yeah, anybody could apply. You just have to have a, you know, a business plan. You have to, you have to just show that you're focused, you have good intent, um, you know, and just regular credit, credit checks and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a very good. And have you paid it off already? <laughs> Close. Close. Okay. So how long has it been? Uh, it's been two years. Oh, oh, you're doing great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you are. I mean, Thank you. You, you laugh a little bit like, no, not yet, sir. But I was like, two years, come on. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, gosh, it's it's all been a journey. I planned for as much as I could, you know, but it, it's a journey. Yeah. You, you can plan for so much, but you don't know what's, what's, what's going on in the wings. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to, you've got your business set up. Uh, through a lot of different fortuitous things happen, getting a loan and clients popping out of the woodwork. Like you said, sometimes when you're down, the universe reaches down. And it's like, you know, get up, kid. You got this. And it doesn't always work out that way. And when it's beautiful, when it does, right? 
So yes. kudos to you for, for that. I always feel like these uh, expressions of luck or the universe answering is just you putting in the time. And somehow on the opposite side of that, these things come out of nowhere. It, it comes out, out of somewhere, obviously, because of the relationships that you built, the reputation or something in your past has helped you here. So mm-hmm. you're starting your business. And now let's move on to the client stuff. Like when you said okay. that, but this is new to you, right? Because before you're a staff person working somewhere at a firm, and now you're yes. dealing with your own clients and tie this together for me, like how the idea of losing your mom and then ultimately losing your father, how that mm-hmm. helps you and how, what lessons did you learn from that that you could apply to working with clients? Well, you know, I think the first thing, and again, maybe this goes back to a lot of what you said in the beginning, like what drives you. I think those experiences create a drive and it created a drive in me where it's like, it's, it's a mixture of curiosity, which I think is great for any, any, anyone in any kind of field. Um, but also this kind of driven personality of wanting to just do better and do more meaningful work. And I think that that kind of drive kind of comes out in the personality um, of when you talk to clients, when you, when you talk to them about the work. And I think a lot of that was something that resonated with so many people. Um, they didn't feel that kind of passion being brought to their their work, to, to what they were trying to build. And I think I kind of brought that forward. And then, again, remembering the experiences that came from the things that I saw, you know, at those hospices, it gives you a greater sense of empathy not just for the clients, but for yourself as well. You kind of give yourself a little bit of a break, but that sense of drive and curiosity comes out of really wanting to connect someone who is paying you to do something that they feel is very meaningful to them. How can you help people who are listening to this who haven't gone through this kind of hardship that you have gone through to try to understand that, like tie it together, like really tight besides, well, just give me a different way of looking at it so that... They can apply it to because that's the idea right like you have have lived a life and you have wisdom and experience and if i'm a young person it's like well i don't understand this this is not for me make okay. it easy for them to understand one way i do that is to remove all my feelings from it and ask them questions really connect with them imagine if you were going on a date with somebody that you really really liked or or, or you were going out with someone that you um, really admired, you know, and you'd ask them questions and you'd really want to get to know them. And you'd, and, 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 you know, you remove that sense of money and status and you just want to get to know them. You know, that's very, very important. I think, um, to apply to when you're trying to build that sense of empathy. I don't think empathy is something that can be taught in the sense of like, open up your notebook and turn to page four. Like, I think it's something that is taught through the environment that you're in, through your experiences and how you relate to them, how you relate to yourself. So I think that's something that I would say first and foremost, that's so much more important than taking that sense and utilizing it through the work, through visual um, execution is so much more fulfilling, so much more beneficial. And I think if you do those things, there's no real um, difficulty to quote unquote sell because you're just really connecting the dots 
So this is me interpreting a little bit of this, which is, I think sometimes we get caught up too much in like thinking about ourselves so much that we lack the ability to look at the world through a different lens. I think this experience with your mom and your dad, maybe just the way I'm looking at it, it's like there's something that's greater than you at work here. And for you to just kind of to be humbled by it, to in, in not a defeatist way, to surrender a little bit of that, like, you know, there's only so much I can control my life. And then looking at the hospice system about how they were or were not taking great care of the people that they had. Maybe there's overworked and underfunded that maybe maybe that also made you realize like this idea of service to others, that it's a pretty noble thing. Yes, I mean, I think that it was such an interesting precursor to what I was about to dive into, which I had no idea. You know, sometimes I'd see the elderly and you get to know them because you go see your mother every day. You know, you get to know the other patients. And when you look at them and you say, how are you? How are you feeling? And they, they, like some people haven't talked to anybody in months, weeks, and they're just dying to say some stuff to you. And so you just sit there and you listen to them and you just give them some comfort. You just give them a bit of a sounding board. You know, and maybe you can say one or two things that will help them um, feel differently or just think differently um, about certain things. And, you know, it's it's a very enriching process. It's not just, you know, I mean, yes, it's a bit of an act of a service, but also at the same time, I'm feeling better, too, because I also don't want to see them suffering, even though, you know, they're, I don't I don't know them personally. Um and it gives you another, again, a greater sense of empathy to try to understand what it would feel like to, to be in this situation, which in my mind, even though I was only in my late 20s at that time, it didn't feel like, oh, I'm young, like whatever. Like I felt like this could be me tomorrow. So it, it felt very jarring. It felt very real. Mm. So that really grounded you, I think, right? That you thought you put yourself uh, almost mentally in their position even though you're in your early 20s and or you're in your 20s and you could feel that like i don't you you this is kind of what i talk about a lot when i when it comes to empathy is to try to walk in someone's shoes for a moment before you mm -hmm. kind of form an opinion about people and you're looking at this situation surrounded by people who are in desperate need of some attention so, uh, just a, a little love concern a friendly face someone to show some compassion and you just happened to be that person you felt that and you 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 switched roles with them you're like what happens if i'm in this position so that probably taught you everything that you needed to know prior to going into business for yourself it did i think there were a lot of lessons there you know again i think i learned a lot of lessons and not not so much um in that school kind of way like right. you know, this is how you invest this is how but in, in a deeper sense that really pushed my own work and my own capabilities as well. Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. Hey, Ben Burns from the future here. If you don't recognize my voice, you might know me from our YouTube channel as the friendly guy with the big beard. Yep, that's me. Listen, the future's mission is to teach a billion creatives how to make money doing what they love without feeling gross about it. And let's be honest, historically, we creative types are great at producing the work, but not so great at running the business, especially when it comes to things like sales, marketing, and 
money. I know, personally, I used to struggle with all of those. Now, fortunately for you though, we have a slew of courses and products designed specifically to help you run your business better. These are tools like the complete case study and the perfect proposal. These things are there to help you attract new clients and then wow them with a thorough and professional presentation. Now you can go even deeper with one of our business courses like project management, how to find clients and the intensive business bootcamp. Check out all of our courses and products about running a creative business by visiting thefuture.com slash business. Welcome back to our conversation with Sophia Ahmed. Can you relate a story or talk about an experience that you had with a client where you use this empathy to really break down some barriers or just to connect and relate to a client? Yeah, I think that, you know, I think it, it might be similar to, again, what you, with you, um, you know, with, with what you practice as well. It's just that, you know, I had a client who was just very hostile and she was just very erratic. And, you know, I think one thing that works for me is always just trying to have, not monotone, but like, you know, kind of have a, a tone of voice that's neither high or low. It's just something that's a bit soothing. So the person can just kind of get it all out and then just kind of relax and just be like, what's what's really going on and I think that you know understanding the science of empathy because I've been through a lot of my own emotions my own whirlwind of emotions um you can kind of feel it right away when somebody's hyped up about something that has nothing to do with you but it's something else that's really painful for them or a very bad experience and I think that you can kind of slow it down it taught me how to slow down and it taught me how to Again, not so much ignore my own feelings, because I got, I got feelings, and they're, they're valid. Um, but to try to look at the heart of the matter. So it's not like she's wrong, I'm wrong. It's more like the in-between. Right. Like what's what's going on? And that's it's almost like an art of war type of thing, where it's just like, it's neither this nor that. It's the middle ground. And it's taught me how to find the middle ground as much as possible to just get to the heart of the matter. And usually the heart of the matter is miscommunication misunderstanding um i thought something differently or i'm just really scared and i don't want you to do this to me so i'm just going to do this you know and you find the middle ground and everybody just feels at peace and then you can just go and do good work and give them what they paid for even more so hmm. i like that is there something that you feel like i gotta share this with the audience yeah i think i think that um I think one thing I want to share with all these types of things, um, you know, and I think it, it ties in, but it doesn't tie in like directly. I think it's a bit of a loose, loose tie in is the importance of maintaining that sense of curiosity through empathy. I think that what I see a lot for a lot of, a lot of people in the creative community as well, is just the sense of like, there's no, there's no sense of imagine, like you can't, it's almost like you can't have a mind that's very imaginative. You can't have a sense of curiosity. And if you do, it has to be bound in a box that is, um, you know, associated with some very hard facts. Um, I see, I see a lot of this kind of like feeling, uh, going on where it's like, you know, um, if you want to gain empathy, you know, learn these business tools and techniques. And it's like, if you want to gain, gain more empathy, Go out there and be curious, you know, 
use that sense of, utilize that sense of imagination. Go read a really great fiction. That's okay, you can do that. You know, that's also very, very, very important um, to building more rapport with your clients, to building more sense of empathy with the work that you do by engaging that mind, that part of the mind as well. Um, and I think that that's something that I really would like to stress in a, in a situation like this. It's easy to be heartstrung with facts. Um, it's easy to kind of be like, um, you know, looking for the fact and the literal meaning of this and, and, you know, the rules. But a lot of what I learned was a direct emotional experience. A lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of what I do, I feel, has that sense of a direct emotional experience. Do you have an example where this curiosity has really helped you to understand something? I think I'd give the general sense of what you're saying, which is something about sometimes these logical paths, these formulaic approaches that you might read in a textbook aren't really great. And in times like that, it, you kind of have to expand your mind. And I, and I think from a general philosophical point of view, I understand it's empathy requires you to imagine something that you've not experienced or to connect with somebody else's point of view. And if yes. you live in a very narrow lane and you only look at certain things, like you only like, like chocolate ice cream and you've not explored the other flavors, then it doesn't really help you because you can only, you're only painting with one color. You're only tasting things with one taste bud. So curiosity expands that palette so that when you meet somebody, they, they now fit in a wider spectrum of experiences and points of views that you might have. That's how I kind of understand what you said. Does that Absol align? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Sorry, I tend to speak sometimes in abstract ways. I think because, again, this, this it's not something that I've done. It's like, oh, you know, this is what I've done. This is the outcome. This is the result. I right. think I'm very, very much still in this process. So it's kind of like this is how it's been. This is the journey so far. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know 100% where it's going to lead me. Um, I have a few ideas where I want it to go. But like I said before, you only have so much control. Right. And I love it the way that you're talking about it. It allows me to understand it through something that's very fresh versus you looking back on on this. And, and it's really neat to be able to share this with you because I think if my math is right, you started your, your business two years ago and nine months before that, you made the decision that I'm going to leave my job and do this thing. So we're talking about within, say, three, three and a half years or, or so that you're going through a tremendous amount of change, like your your life has been kind of in upheaval. So this is precious, I think, that you're able to share this with us. Thank you. Yeah, and your your math is right. It's about it's close to about three three years. Now. Okay. But yeah. So. Okay, so that that you were talking about curiosity. Is there something else that you feel like you need to share that's important for us to know? Yeah, just just don't you know don't neglect people's emotional response. Um, to to things. I think I, again, I hear a lot of people talk about, um, you know, colors. For example, I think a lot of my work deals with a lot of color and different types of palettes, and that gives people a certain emotional response. Whether you want them to feel happy and elated, or kind of subdued and relaxed, you know, um, I think that's again ties into everything that we were saying. Just don't forget to include that emotional sense of curiosity and how that how your emotions connect with people more than the product, than the design, mm. than the brief. Like those things matter, of course, but it's that emotional connection that brings it together. Mm. 
since you mentioned color, I, I, I have questions for you about your one of your Instagram accounts, which is under your name, yes. Sophia Ahmed, right? And yes, you, yes. You, you do this thing called full color dreaming. And I'm curious, what are these? I mean, they're, they're mesmerizing, you guys. Go to Instagram and check it out for sure, because she has these really beautiful images and I, I think maybe some post-process coloring, but it's just, it's mesmerizing. And she has, as of today, 48,000 followers on this. Tell me what this is all about. Okay, well, this is an interesting caveat. I, this was born through, I think, this experience, very experience. Um, when my mother got ill, we had to bring her home from the hospital. And we had to, me and my sisters had to find a home for her to come into. She just couldn't come into any home. She needed certain equipment. She needed certain things for her. And so we found this home. Um, on, again, the universe threw us a bone because there was nothing available in Vancouver. Uh, but we found this home and I was lucky enough to get um, a nice bedroom with a very good view of the night sky. And I, I think that, you know, with this change in the environment, I was always seeking inspiration. I was seeking for like an outlet, a very easy outlet, you know, like something I could just do, like something um, that I could just take it, do it the way I want to and put it out there into the world. Um, and I started to notice the night sky a lot. I started to notice the clouds. They were just very colorful. So I started to snap a few photos. Again, the neighborhood is really beautiful during the spring. So I started taking more pictures of flowers and things of that nature. Um, and then playing with color because I just, I just really enjoyed having a subtle but important effect on what I wanted to exude in my own emotion and then see if it would connect with others on a similar scale. And that's kind of how this was born. And I think that surprisingly, a lot of people felt very connected to the work in a similar way to a lot of people tell me, hey, this makes me feel less anxious. Hey, this makes me feel a little less depressed or I just feel good or happy or excited when I come here. And I think that was just a very good sign for me to keep going. So I, I have a lot of questions. These images are really wonderful. Are these photoshopped? Uh, are these collaged? Are you taking these images or are these curated? What's going on here? So I, I photograph, all, I mean, some of them, very few will I ever combine images, um, but I, I photograph them. Um, and then what I do is I try to kind of blend that sense of reality and fiction. I think people will be really surprised at what is real and what is fake. Majority of what you're seeing is real. Um, the flowers, the clouds. What usually is added in is the crescent moon. Um, I don't always have access to a nice crescent moon. Um, <laughs> but So that is a, a caveat. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I try to keep this natural um, as I possibly can. And I try to work with the colors that are in the photo naturally, and then I'll heighten it a little bit with um, with Lightroom and Photoshop, but it's, mm -hmm. it's very minimal. And it's just basically about layering palettes right. to try to get something a little bit more um, vibrant and exciting. What is your fascination with the crescent moon or moons in general? Because they're almost in every image. I think it became a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that um, people looked for it mm. in the photos. Mm -hmm. um, and it almost inadvertently became a theme it was like it wasn't something i wanted to intentionally do um but then when i think when when the audience started to be like oh we, we want it like they kind of wanted to see that whether they were verbally telling me or just telling me by how they responded um so it was an interesting caveat it was almost like adding a bit of a dreamlike 
feel to every moment in time. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's something that I kept because uh, I didn't mind it. I, I, I enjoyed it as well. And I thought it was a good kind of thematic way of bringing it together. Yeah, the moon uh, is like that little flourish that makes it like surreal. And yes. it's just like what's yeah. possible. And you said dreams in full color. And it's like, uh, yeah, I guess it's like a dream. I get that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. And I noticed that you manage at least another account, which is your company, yes. Monograph and Company. Uh, Monograph. Yes. Co. Yes. Guys, if you want to check out her work, monographco.com. And you can look at this really beautiful work. Now, how do all these things relate together and how are you managing this? How do they all relate together? Um, they do relate together, uh, interestingly enough. Um, I have I have my personal account, but I have two other accounts. Um, Monograph is obviously my studio mm -hmm. where I do uh, branding. And then there's one of us collective, and that's between me and my two creative partners. They're photographers and stylists. Um, and what we do is we, the three of us get together and we create uh, a publication, it's annual, um, and it features food, cocktail recipes, um, art and culture stories and things like that. So it's a, it's another way for us to kind of flex our, um, our talents, the photographic styling talents and my, t um, love for publication design and making books and magazines and typography and kind of combine that together and then we showcase people um, from Canada, just hidden gems, you know, amazing cocktail artists, amazing chefs, um, awesome writers, and we just try to put it together into a really nice cohesive thing. So it becomes a portfolio piece as well for all of us. Um, but also at the same time, it's it's another, another thing to kind of bring that artistic sense. Great. So before we wrap up, I want to ask you this question, like, what's next for you, Sophia? Like, what are you this is uh, a journey that you're kind of not intending on or planning and things mm -hmm. happen in your life circumstances and you change and you evolve and you adapt. So it's been interesting to hear about this two year long journey that you've been on. What do the next two years look like for you? Can you make some predictions? Gosh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I feel like if, you know, if you were to ask me what I, what I wanted in the next two years, I think it's just to, um, to continue on to this journey um, and to really, uh, again, have that sense of accountability and hopefully, hopefully to use it to, to create very good dynamic work um, that has a purpose, has a meaning, um, and that um, hopefully can help shape the way people see the type of, the type of things we do as, as a career. Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Give it a different thought. Give it a different um, sense of value, sense of worth, and add to that as well. There's a through line that I see in your body of work in monographco.com, and mm -hmm. that it's very beautiful. It's elegant. It's organic, and your use of min like minimal space and it's it's actually very sublime and sophisticated work. So I see that you're working with the food and beverage industry and some fashion. And I can also yes. see your love for editorial design. So hats off to you. It's really high quality work. And I'm looking forward to seeing where this journey takes you um, and getting your, your loan paid off, which would be a high priority <laughs> for if I were you. That's, it's like, let's get that done, right? Honestly, honestly, I could be honest. And I, I don't want to shatter anybody's illusion, but if I can pay all my bills <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, um, just have a great night's sleep, I feel like I'm 
you know, making millions. I feel great. That's cool. Um, but no, I have to say thank you very much for that. I mean, I, you've been a great, um, really important part of my, my journey as well. Um, it's funny. I'll tell you a little quick story. Okay. I was sitting at my office desk. I was having a, a, a heck of a time, you know, and I'm, I had a little counter on my, on my laptop that said like two days left, two days and 40 minutes left. One day, you know, because I was really like, I, that's how, how much I wanted to get out of that. Um, and then someone posted a video of you. And this was like, I think this was like 2016. Okay. And I was like, wow, this fashion guy looks like he's, <laughs> he really knows what he's talking about. You were sitting there, you're standing there and you're, you know, you're, you're dressed really wonderfully and you're pointing at a whiteboard. And I clicked on it. And for the very first time, somebody was articulating all my emotions and all my feelings about price, about about how to handle your work in, in a, you know, not in a, I'll just do what I feel like it kind of way, but like in a, in a very focused, meaningful way. Um, and I, that's what I wanted. That's what I was looking for. But, and nobody around me kind of had that energy. Um, and I just didn't know how to say it. You know, I had the feeling for it, which was like anger and rage. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, but I didn't, I didn't know how to par- properly articulate that. And that's kind of my first introduction to you. And I think since, and that was about, I was just about to leave my job. And it was such a, again, a universe kind of threw me a bone that said, hey, look, you're starting on this new path, go here. And I'm very grateful for that. So mm. thank you for everything. Thanks for sharing that story. I think you must have very good energy because it seems like whenever you ask of something, the universe responds. And it's wonderful to hear this like little countdown timer of like when you're done with work, right? Like when you're, that's your last day on the job and you're so looking forward to leaving. And in that moment, it's like now you're leaving one world and you're entering a whole new world that has all kinds of challenges. And then it's just, I believe in this, in the law of attraction. Like when, whenever we focus our mind on something, we start to see the answer. So a lot of us is just really uh, a lot of what we're going through in life in general is we need to just get clear with what we want in our life and then things will materialize. And so yeah. those videos have been sitting there waiting for you like, Sophia, check us out. But until you needed it, you're not aware of it. Yeah. And then absolutely. you need it. And then there we are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great. Exactly. This is Sophia Ahmed and you are listening to the future. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode. If you're new to the future and want to know more about our educational mission, visit thefuture.com. You'll find more podcast episodes, hundreds of YouTube videos, and a growing collection of online courses and products covering design and business. Oh, and we spell the future with no E. The Future Podcast is hosted by Christo and produced by me, Greg Gunn. This episode was mixed and edited by Anthony Barrow with intro music by Adam Sanborn. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor and rate and review us on iTunes. It's a tremendous help in getting our message out there. And, you know, let's us know what you like. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.